hard work every day Not an easy mom, got no time to play Always on the go, you stuck on the flow But it's time for the show Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of your Not For Lazy Moms podcast, your favorite podcast. And we are here again. I'm going to cut right to the chase. What's up, Allie? Hey, so excited for this. Yes, me too. So last week's episode was on finding love after divorce featuring Winter Williams. It was so good that we had to have her back again this week. We were left with so many questions. And after we finished the episode, we began to talk to Winter about how she dealt with the other woman, you know, who we found out through her testimony was her nanny. This is insane. That nanny gave birth to a child who was her husband's, who is now her ex-husband. The questions began to flow and we were just like, just mobs open to the point where we were like, you know what, can you please come back? And she agreed. So we're going to tackle the other woman, part two of finding love after divorce. And we have Winter here again. Hi, Winter. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> we are blessed. We are doing amazing. And I mean, you really just left us so just like not gagging about what happened, more so gagging about the fact that you have so healed to the point where no one would have ever known the scars that you bear. You know, like no one would have ever known. So I, I wish we had a screenshot in everyone's face when I, I explained from the beginning what happened. Everyone's face was frozen at once, which is typically the response. I get it. It's shocking, yeah. but it's true. It's yes. True. A lot of times when people have been in your position, we don't hear the story. We see the beginning and we see the end, but we don't see the process. And I, what I love about your testimony is that you're really going to help somebody out there who's going through it right now who literally feels like they are at their wits end and they don't know what they're going to do, but you're a story of survival and what they can do to get through the process and to know that they're not alone. Yes. And I think process is so important because I, I mean, you can tell me all day how you got to the promise, right? But the process is where most of us are in our everyday lives. We're in the middle of the journey. A lot of us are not at the end. Um, and some of us are just beginning. So tell me how you got there. Don't just show me where you are now. So exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this. This is actually the first time I've ever publicly talked about the other woman. It's something that I, I try to be very graceful about. I don't ever want to talk about it to bash because I do walk um, in a heart of forgiveness now. Uh, yeah. But I am very truthful, honest, and transparent. And I share in hopes that someone else can know, A, you're not alone. B, you can get through it. And see, there is actually healing and restoration for all parties involved. Absolutely. So we'll get started. So the fact that your ex cheated with someone that you knew, someone who you had in your home, who was an employee, who was around your children, how did you deal with that level of betrayal? And then you still stayed at one while. Oh, goodness. I will. This this moment is forever embedded in my mind. I will never forget it as long as I live. And I'm so serious. Uh, so I actually was found out I have I was recently, you know, found out I was pregnant. So I was pregnant with my youngest son. Right. And so, of course, when you're pregnant, you get up in the middle of the night. You got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I just remember him getting up in the middle of the night, which was not common because he slept hard as a rock. Uh, so I would get up frequently and he would never budge. But I recall getting up, you know, getting back in bed. And I just remember him getting up 
um, checking his phone because I could see the cell light on the wall. And he took his phone and went in the bathroom. And I thought, that's really strange. I've never seen him do that before. And so he came back out the bathroom after about 10, 15 minutes, put his phone back on the charger, got in bed and went back to sleep. And that was the first time I was kind of like, okay, this is really weird. I've never seen him do that. You know, let me just wait until he goes, you know, back to sleep because he sleeps hard. And I'm going to go see what was so important that he had to answer this phone. And it was early, like two, three o'clock in the morning. So it was not a common time. And so uh, he went to sleep. I bear crawled out that bed. I'm so serious to go get his phone that was flipped over. And I knew his passcodes. I mean, even if he tried to hide it, I just knew him so well at this point. I probably could have guessed whatever he, you know, used. But he didn't change his passcode. So he tried to remain as close to its regular patterns as as normal. And so um, I went in the back. I got his phone. I went in the bathroom, locked the door. And I opened his phone and started, like, I checked his phone. There was no one in the voice. You know, last call didn't show anything, you know, that didn't, that alarmed me. But I went to his text messages. And he had her name disguised as something else. But they're literally going back and forth in, in the text about this baby that she actually, the week before, was telling me, you know, I just need to tell you that I'm pregnant and I'll probably, you know, have to discontinue working for you at some point. I'm sorry if I've disappointed you. I know I'm supposed to be a Christian and this is not what you do by getting pregnant out of wedlock. I'll never forget sitting in Brambleton, like taking this call over by the Harris Teeter. Wait, wait I'm sorry. Yes. She said she's a Christian and she doesn't want to disappoint you because she got pregnant out of wedlock. That is not the part that's disappointing. <laughs> like, come on. She yes, said no. nothing. She <laughs> said nothing. I'm in the car with my, my husband at the time. I look over at him and said, oh my gosh, she's pregnant and she's going to have to discontinue working for us. He literally says nothing and looks out the window, okay? And just kind of says like, oh, okay, you know, so, you know, you know, what can we do? Nothing to do with us. And so I'm like, it's okay. Like, you don't need forgiveness from us. Like, I've been in your shoes. <laughs> you know, I'm extending all this grace. We'll figure it out. Um, you know, you can work as long as you can. And maybe we can assist in some way. Fast forward. I'm reading this text exchange back and forth where she is basically, you know, I don't want to come in, come in between your marriage. And he was like, you know, this is my child. And I'm like, who is he talking to? And he calls out her name to like yell at her because she was like, I'm going to hang up. You know, I'm going to quit talking to you now. And he yells her name. And it's the first time I realized that it was our nanny. And I was just I felt like I don't even know. I just it's like all the blood drained from my body. And I walked out that bathroom. God is my holy witness. I took that cell phone, cell phone and like threw it and popped him dead in the face with it. And was like, I cannot believe you. And he he knew, like he jumped up like, oh crap. <laughs> uh, what in the world has just happened and how did you find out? And it was a fire tornado from that point forward. Um, I called her, she didn't answer. Um, I was irate. I remember calling my mom just sobbing and she was like, what is going on? And I explained and she was just I mean, everyone was floored because he had not distributed any characteristic that would make anyone believe that he would have been capable of doing something like this. But um, he was apologetic. He said it was the first time he'd ever done it. Um, it didn't matter at that point. I was like dead set on leaving because I was so angry. And that was my first inclination. Like, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm out. So 
that was honestly how I found out. So I can't really um, articulate the pain that comes with not only being cheated on, but the person being someone you know. And I mean, no, like she braided my daughter's hair. So um, she was in my house actually while I was at an NFL Wives getaway and they were together all that time. Um, there, She needed a trainer. I recommended my husband a trainer and God only knows what was going on during those sessions. Like they were together that entire time. Like my mind goes back and I, I just, in retrospect, think think to some of the conversations that she and I had. I remember like a month before I discovered this, um, and I was moody. I didn't know why. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. And she says to me, I said, you know, I'm going to go get this checked out. Something's going on. She was like, yeah, maybe you won't be so cranky. And I'm thinking, you know, who are you to say that? And I'm like, excuse me? And she was like, you know, maybe you won't be so cranky if you find out what's going on. But really what she was recanting was their personal conversations and what he was saying to her. And so it did, it still didn't trigger anything. I'm, I'm so serious. And so goodness, I was, I was livid. Like I, that is like someone stabbing you in your chest and your back simultaneously. And so I was undone, undone. We had so many mutual people. She was referred to me by some wives because she was um, a sitter for them as well. And so, you know, they were shocked. Like, what? She's never distributed anything like this. Like, it was just insane. Absolutely insane. But um, it was definitely devastating. It was devastating. Did they ask their husbands if they had cheated? I'm I'm so sure. Because at that point, if she'll do it to me, you know, like, that's that's human nature. Like if she'll do it to her, like, like what have y'all been doing? Like, is everything, I'm sure, I'm sure they asked. And it's so funny. I actually had a, a friend of mine who would not hire her and was like, you know, when I considered hiring her, she was like, I let her in my house. And I'm like, what? She has like glowing, like referrals and, you know, recommendations. She was like, no, absolutely not. I would never let her in the same house as my, my husband. And I should have listened. Um, It was actually wisdom, but at the time, being so young and dumb myself, I just thought, hey, she has referrals and recommendations. No one else has had an issue. I'll I'll go with it. Yeah, and it's not it's not even being young and dumb. I think it's just because of the person that you are. You're a good person. I've been in a situation where I've had friends who I let go recently, a friend anyway. And I remember back in the day, so many years ago, Chris and I had been dating for probably a year or two at this time. And I saw an old friend that knew both of us. And he said, you still hanging around that girl? And I was like, yeah, why? (laughs) And he's like, you trust her around your man? Not that anything ever happened, but (laughs) the fact that he was saying those things should have been triggers and warnings for me. And lo and behold, 14 years later, it all comes out. It's like you you have that person who is showing you the face that they want you to see. And they're so good at it that you don't see that they're really hating you. They're jealous of you. They're envying your situation. They want your life. And you don't even see it until, bam, it just happens. You, you know what? I, I, I think in a situation like that, and I fell for this even when I was um, do, doing a business venture with a, a guy, my next door neighbor years ago. I know that I wouldn't steal from anybody. I would, you know, if somebody dropped 
a $10,000 bill in front of me and they're stranger. I'm going to give it back to them. So I'm assuming, you know, that I'm a decent person and I would never steal from a person that they wouldn't steal from me. It took me to get burned at, to realize that everybody's not like me. Simple as that. Yes. It's so yeah. true. I Honestly, when I think back, it really was a lot of that. And because, you know, you have to understand in a, in a, a fair dynamic, there's a lot of bells and whistles that the, the two individuals sell each other, right? And so she's believing whatever he's saying to her at that time. So when everything came out, hands down, she thought I was like, he was going to toss me out. Like all she was waiting on was for this to come out so they could be together. And so she was even floored when he was like, that wasn't what this was. <laughs> like, um, I don't want to be with you. I didn't intend on losing my family. This is just, you know um what it is and you know unfortunately you know we got pregnant and i'm having to deal with the situation but then it just because he didn't respond the way she anticipated that then triggered a whole series of foolishness that carried on for years and right. so she started denying that he was actually the father for a period of time and um we had to go to court and this I, seriously this was over a three-year span they were going back and forth we were going back and forth. It was just so much drama. And I think back to that time, like, why didn't I just leave? But again, I bought into the fact that this was his first and only incident. Um, he really wanted his family. Uh, he was going to get the help. You know, we enrolled in therapy, individual, family, um, in couples, you know, marital counseling. So I felt like he was doing the work. He was being accountable to our pastor. And let me just say this. It literally took me going to a non-Christian therapist and, and, and people that are Christians are going to get mad at me for saying this. But sometimes we are so religious that we're no earthly good and we don't have a compassion for a humanity that needs to be extended in these circumstances. Yes. In the Bible, it gives us one pass when it comes to marriage ending, and that's adultery. And there's not a whole lot of compassion in, in the church setting. Trust me, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. And so I'm not saying this to be derogatory, but hopefully this will help someone. Uh, mm -hmm. But when a person is cheated on, you extend as much compassion as you can. You cannot tell them what to do. You do not guilt them into staying. You let them work through their own process and come to their own conclusion because at the end of the day, they have to live with the consequences of their decision, mm -hmm. good or bad. And so I felt a lot of pressure to stay in my marriage. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. And I wish I had the courage and support that I honestly got from a non-Christian therapist years later to give myself permission to leave. And so I stayed and I tried to work it out. And so I, I believe that this was his first time. Fast forward, it was um, this all went down in 2007. And so two years we're on this roller coaster. We don't know if the kid is his or not. Um, she's not being very cooperative because she's mad because he doesn't want her and he chose to work it out with me. Uh, we get a knock on the door from a sheriff and uh, I'm thinking, oh Lord, here we go. I'm like reading and it clearly is like child support court and paternity. And so I'm thinking, here we go. This is what it's going to be. You know, she's coming after her change. Let me go ahead and get ready. I start reading the order before I even go downstairs because he's downstairs playing Call of Duty. And uh, I'm reading this this child support order, not order, but, you know, paternity suit. And it's actually from the state of Florida. And I'm confused. Like, did she move to Florida all of a sudden? Like, what's going on? No, 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 no. She didn't move. This was actually a completely separate woman suing him for paternity. 
And that's how I found out that there was a, a first affair before the affair that I actually found out about. Not only a first affair, but another child in question. And I walked downstairs to that basement and I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. And he was first like, what all, are you? First of all, I just, I, I, there's no like protection. Like you're, <laughs> not only are you cheating, but you raw dogging. And that opens you up to so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he could have brought anything home other than a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reality. That's the reality. And I think that is what it contributed to my anger and bitterness for so long because you're not just playing r Russian roulette with your own life. You're doing it with mine. And, you know, we, I was pregnant at the time. God, you know what I mean? Like there's so much to think about that could have been, you know, just, I'm grateful. I have friends that have contracted STDs from their husband stepping out. And God, he knew my limitations because had that happened, uh, <laughs> I would be in jail, y'all. I'm just being so honest right no. now. I think I would have, like, I just had been pushed to the max. Like people had no clue what was going on. And again, I made the decision like, okay, so this wasn't the first time. This was actually the second time. And um, I just want to say typically with, with habitual cheaters, the time that they're usually found out is typically not always the first time. It's usually the second or third time because they're, they, they get kind of sloppy with um, their protection of what they, they're hiding, right? Wow. And so I always tell you know men and women, typically when you're finding out, it's probably been going on a while and it's probably not their first time. It's just the first time they've been caught. Uh, so I, I, I was undone. I, I can't even explain to you in that moment. It, it was not uh, it was not pretty. It was an ugly moment for us. That said, um, she actually reached out to me. She found me online, sent me an email. Yeah. And uh, wanted to figure out how we could be amicable uh, with her suing my ex-husband for paternity. And <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that I find with other women is that there's a lot of delusion uh, because of what they've been sold in the confines of the affair. Uh, they think they believe everything they're told. They believe that this is a true relationship, romance, whatever you want to call it. But it's not reality because anything you're having to hide and kind of form this pseudo life, you know, around, it's not real. And you're not involved in the parties that need to be included uh, to basically give you the go ahead to pursue this relationship. So you feel like, what are you talking about? Be amicable. Are, have you lost your entire mind? And, and that's how she was. Like, she was like, this is what it is. Yes, you know, we had this relationship. But hey, at the end of the day, we're all human. You know, I need you to be forgiving because there's this child involved. And I was just floored. I was floored. But honestly, that was the response I got from the nanny. Like, she gave herself all the grace in the world. And I was the person that should have been the bigger person and uh, kind of sucking up what was done. And I find that to be very common as well. It's like you go through all this hurt and pain and then yet you're expected to kind of extend all the grace and get over it and be kind to people when you're the hurting party and the victim in the situation. You didn't get a choice. You've been thrown into something you didn't ask for. So that was very difficult. I was not very graceful in my response. I wasn't very graceful in my response to the nanny. I was hurt, I was angry. I don't apologize for that. Hear me when I say that. Can I just validate anyone who's going through that? Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to apologize 
for being angry when you have been betrayed and hurt. That is real. You have the permission to feel those feelings. And quite frankly, if you don't feel those feelings, it's going to kill you slowly from the inside out. So I was not kind and I don't apologize for not being kind. This was something that devastated my family um, yeah. from my kids to myself to our you know, extended family. And so I just felt like there was not a lot of um, not a lot of care. I didn't feel like there was a lot of like remorse. Can I just be honest? Yes. And so I let me just say, too, because I grew up in a Christian household and everything else, just like you did. And it's always put on the person that's hurt to be the one that has to forgive when people think you're supposed to forgive the person that has hurt you. And I think that's absolute BS. And that is probably one of the reasons why when it comes to be a Christian, some people are so sold out that they lose all common sense and they lose what it feels like to be human and to have a human response and to be told that it's okay to be human and have that human response because we're human. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's true. At the end of the day, God is a just God. He does not say that for no reason. That means he believes in justice. That believes that means that he believes that when you do wrong, there is a consequence. And he is upset that you've done wrong and he's hurt. He's God. So if he can have all those feelings and believe that there should be justice and there should be consequence, why can't we feel that? <laughs> you know, like I'm over here like, <laughs> you have to get you have to allow people to have a voice this is why so many people struggle with depression anxiety why so many people commit suicide because they don't feel like they have permission to be human and so you have to give people the space when you go through this it is extremely hurtful and when i tell you i mean outside of my kids and i'm so grateful for them if it was not for them i really do not know that i would have had um the will nor the strength to really fight as long as i did and i fought hear me when i say this i fought but i suffered too because there was a lot of times i suffered in silence because there's this you know you don't you know talk about your marriage you don't talk about your problems you keep everything in house and there was still a part of me that was covering him as his wife, even in the midst of being, you know, <laughs> betrayed left and right, I was still covering him, still covering our family. And so that's a huge burden to carry for quite some time. And let me just say, I, there's been a, um, a discussion about other women back and forth for years. And so there's, you know, this whole side chick mentality where I'm not married to you. You shouldn't hold me responsible. Hold your spouse responsible. And so I heard an explanation that I have held in my heart to this day about cheaters. And I'm talking about within, you know, the confines of marriage. When a person cheats, they are a promise breaker because you make a covenant to remain faithful within the confines of marriage. So you're a promise breaker and the person you cheat with is a thief because they stole something that didn't belong to them. And so unless a person is completely unaware, and this happens because people lie, um, unless a person is completely unaware that the person is married, that is the only time I extend grace uh, when, you know, something an affair is discovered and a spouse is like, oh, my gosh, you're cheating with my husband or wife. And the person was like, I didn't know they were married. And my heart goes out to them because they've been betrayed as well. 
But I don't extend that type of grace to a person that came into a situation willfully knowing a person had a family, a wife, children, anyone that would be impacted by their decision to engage in said affair. So I have a saying, I split the responsibility down the slick middle. 50-50 is how I see the blame. You shouldn't have engaged. You had an option not to, and you chose to anyway. So at that point, the consequences fall 50-50. And trust me, it may take years, it may take decades, but there are consequences to engaging in um, situations like this. People have lost their lives. And I, I would say that to my ex-husband, like, you do understand people are six feet under over this very situation. Like, I could have snapped and you could be no more. That's, that's real. There are people who have that story. So I want to also give voice to the seriousness of, of not getting involved in things like this. There are so many uh, people that you hurt unnecessarily. My kids have suffered because of, you know, choices of two individuals that made decisions that we didn't have a, a say in. I've been impacted. Um, the other children have been impacted. Think about this. I know I will never forget years ago, um, maybe two years ago, I was at an event and I sat next to this lady. And I think the, the you know, the Lord has a way of, of working on us and helping us grow in certain situations. And I really had a disdain for the other children because it was like a, a constant reminder that this happened to me. And so I'll never forget meeting this young lady and she was so sweet and I really, really liked her, but she was saying to me, you know, I've never had a relationship with my dad because I was conceived in an affair and his wife would never allow him to have a relationship with me. And I'm just like silent. <laughs> I'm silent because in that moment, she allowed me to have compassion for what I know that possibly my ex-husband's children were going through. You yeah. know, how, how is it to share blood with someone you can't have access to because of a very difficult situation that you had no say in? You know, you're just... Mm -hmm an innocent byproduct of, of two parties making decisions, but still that's your blood. And so after really talking with her and getting her perspective, I, I went to my ex-husband and I said, you know, I really hope that at some point you're able to have a relationship with them. And if my staying out of that um, helps in any way, so be it, because they don't deserve to suffer any more than I did and any more than my kids do. And so from that point forward, I, I really, had more compassion for them and even the, the difficulty that I put my, my kids in, right? Because again, this is half of them that's out there that they can't have access to because they feel loyalty to me, right? Uh, but also this is their blood and they're curious. Kids are always gonna be curious. Um, yeah. I will say to the adults that may be involved in this situation, be mindful, timing is everything. Uh, you don't get the right to make decisions on other people's behalf. And I say that from experience, we, we had an agreement to introduce the kids at a certain time and the other parties made a decision to introduce them without my consent ahead of our agreement. And it really threw my kids for a tailspin and it, it caused additional hurt that didn't have to be there. So it took us some time to work through that. Um, and, and more specifically, my, my younger um, daughter had challenges over the years to you know processing that because she was young when all this took place. And so there was actually some animosity that she had towards her half sibling, really out of loyalty to me, which I understood yeah. as my as my child. And right. So I was going to ask you, how do you um, avoid projecting 
that hurt and pain that you felt in those moments mm-hmm. onto your kids because of the fact that your youngest is close in age with the other two, right? So yes, my youngest son is actually sandwiched in between his half siblings. And oh. so um, he's actually the same age as his oh. half brother. And so their birthdays are about a month apart. And so um, you have to, at that point, put your big girl panties on, your big boy drawers on. Can I say that? Uh, you have to. You have to assume the adult role, no matter how hurt you are. That is the one time where you come second when it comes to your kids and how they process their feelings. And so I actually never discussed how I felt about their dad and the other women with them. I was very careful with my selection of words. I was very honest, but I was very careful. And so that's why I had a therapist. (laughs) So I could vent and say what I wanted to say uh, without involving them. But we have to advocate for our kids in these scenarios because like I said, they're innocent parties, but there's a lot that goes through their brain as well. So if you're struggling as an adult to process, can you imagine what a child is going through? Um, and, And we've actually, you know, our daughter will be 19 next week. And she, you know, in, in the last year and a half has really come to process a lot within herself regarding it. And so, you know, to have those very transparent conversations with her, how that time impacted her, how it, it really, you know, honestly, it, I, I'm going to be honest. And, and she said she didn't mind me sharing. It produced an anxiety in her because it was so much drama and toxicity that it just caused her to be anxious. And so she said, even to this day, I still deal with that because it was just so toxic. What I will say is that for those of you that make a decision to stay in it for the kids, please reevaluate your situation um, and your decision on that because kids are impacted whether you stay or whether you go. But if the situation is toxic, and I do mean toxic, and if people know what I mean, that's not helping your kids for you to stay together. My yeah, kids, some people, some people will stay, but they're still not. They haven't forgived or really truly moved on. So it's almost like I'm staying just so I can torture you back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know? It doesn't help. And honestly, our kids thanked us when we divorced. Can I just? I'm, can I be honest and say wow. that? Yeah. My my daughter said, "Thank you, God, because you guys fought so much, and they just wanted peace." And so the best decision that we could have made for them was to be apart and just put them first. And so I will say it's a long process. It took me many, many, many years to get to a place of um, internal commitment, where um, uh, not commitment, but contentment. And, And forgiveness was huge. Hear me when I say this, forgiveness is not for the other party. It is for you to be free so you can move forward. And I knew as long as I held this resentment and I was resentful and bitter for quite some time against everyone, seriously, like I was mad at his parents. Like, how could you raise somebody like this? Like, <laughs> everybody, okay? Yes, Allie, Allie, go ahead and jump in. I know you have something. Yeah, for so sure. I, I, just, I just wanted to ask, you know, especially with the fact that, you know, one of the um, affairs was with the nanny and that's somebody who, you know, was watching your kids and, and everything. How did you navigate telling your kids about the other woman being the nanny? And, you know, is that something that your ex-husband, you guys sat down together with your kids and talked about? Is that something you held from them for a little bit? Like how, how did you have that conversation? 
we did not have that conversation for a few years uh, because we needed, we basically just said she couldn't work for us anymore. And um, she was having her own baby. So we did say that, you know, she was expecting and, and you know, her, her the season in her life for watching them had ended because she was going to be someone else's mom. However, the conversation did have to occur a few years later after we did get um, solid, you know, paternity evidence that it was his child, um, that they had a half brother. That was not a pleasant conversation. And we did do that in the confines of a family counselor. Um, let, let me ask you this. How old was your um, oldest child at that time? And then how old? Well, I guess. Sure. So baby. let me think. I'm trying to count back. So this would have been so my daughter's almost 19. So this would have been about 11 years ago. So we didn't tell them for four, three or four. No, about four years. So she would have been 11, 11. Oh, um, my youngest son was nine. And then my little was too little. I mean, he was, you know, three at the time. He just wouldn't have been able to process it um, at all. But so uh, 11 and nine was the time we had to sit them down and have this conversation. Uh, my my son is a little bit oblivious. I don't know if it's a boy thing or the way he just processed it, but he really didn't flinch um, at all. But it really impacted my daughter greatly. Can it I ask, what's your, what's your, when's your son's birthday? Um, what's his sign? The one that a little oblivious. He's a Libra. He just had a birthday yesterday. Let me just tell you what's crazy. I was just about to say he must be a Libra. That was me. That was me. Because when my parents, I was like, probably almost 20, 21 when my parents finally got divorced. And I was so oblivious to all of the drama that had went on during their marriage. And I'm a Libra and it okay. is the process things. I like to see everything as picture perfect. And sometimes some of the obvious things just go right above my head. I knew he was a Libra as soon as you said that. Cause that I'm thinking, was, I'm thinking more so age group though. No, I'm thinking sign because I do think that that has something to do with it. Um, but I'm the middle child. Okay. My brother, my brother, who is younger than me, was just like your kids. They were happy when my parents got he was happy when my parents got divorced because he was like, it's about time. <laughs> me, I was so oblivious. I was just like, wait, but y'all arguing you work it out. What's the big deal? Why are you <laughs> right. me to go on this whole journey of really kind of redefining my entire childhood, my entire existence, because I looked at marriage and I esteemed it to such a point where I could not understand what could have possibly happened that would tear their marriage apart. Yeah. And I remember one of the reasons Chris and I are together now is because when we first met, well, not when we first met, when we, before we started dating, this is when we were just having fun. <laughs> um, before we started dating, he asked me, he said, when do you see yourself getting married? I was like, marriage, ain't nobody thinking about that. And he loved that response. Now you got to think this was coming. This is, this is probably, he was probably about 27, 28 around the time. And he is an NFL player. He is one of the highest paid on the team. He has women approaching him all the time, trying to get that ring. And <laughs> I, with my oblivious behind, was like, what? think about marriage you know so he loved it there was no pressure and that was probably one of the reasons why we were able to develop such a friendship and then to lead into marriage six years later but oh my god that just like gave me so much it just gave me a chill like i have to ask because 
the yes. way that you just said that, it just struck me. And I was like, he he must be a Libra. He still is. He's still very oblivious. Like, oh, I ask him. It was not a thing. Yes. Like, I, I ask him, like, do you remember anything from that time? He was like, no. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that is so me. <laughs> he just oh had a birthday God. yesterday. He turned 17 yesterday. And he remembers nothing. I, I, yeah. I'm so serious. Um, it's hard for us to process negativity. Yes. Um, and it's 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 easier for us to gravitate to what's positive to the point that sometimes it can be a bad thing because then you allow people who don't have good intentions into your life, but just keep talking to him. He'll get to a point where he's going to have that moment where he's probably going to break down and he's probably going to be like, oh my God, what? how did I not see all of this? Right. <laughs> he's going to so, get oh, I'm sorry. One question with that now, they're all older. Do they all hang out and play together and have a great relationship now? So that, that's a, I was going to say that. Um, so it's interesting. I'll, I'll answer Monique and then I'll go into yours, Chris, because it'll go kind of hand in hand. Um, he actually had an aha moment last summer. So when everything was going down with our our divorce, what because he like he's like you, Monique, he has such a picture perfect idea of what family is. All yeah. he saw was mom leaving. And so he blamed me. He thought I was the reason why I was tearing up their family. Oh, my God. <laughs> me too. I blame my mom as well. <laughs> he did. He blamed me. And I did not feel like it was my responsibility to explain to our kids why we were no longer together. I told my ex-husband, you're going to have to sit down and be honest with them as to why we're going through this. But I'll take the brunt of that for this for, for this moment in time. I'll bear the brunt of his his anger. And so I remember um, dropping him off at his dad's house one day and he was just angry. He was really mad at me. And he said, I hate you. First time ever. And I sobbed. Oh, I called my mom. She said, Winter, I thought some, somebody had died. But that was like gut wrenching to hear from your child. And you know good and well, they don't have all the facts. They're just reacting out of what they don't know. There was a situation that took place last year and um, I was contacted by someone who found me on social media and uh, informed me that she was seeing my ex-husband um, <laughs> and uh, who was engaged. <laughs> and um, it was just a mess. And wow. so he was doing it again. Uh, <laughs> and so, of course, at this point, I had to call him. <laughs> and say, hey, I got an email today and thought I was having a discovery call with a potential coaching client only to find out that this is your mess that has trickled its way back into my arena. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to know, but you need to fix it. And um, I don't want to get this type of situation again. That said, it, it my kids were impacted by this. And so it actually triggered my son for the first time having a conversation with me and apologizing uh, for all those years later. And he said, mom, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know that this is what you were dealing with. And I had no right to say that because I didn't understand. You are moving so, years right now, girl. Oh my goodness. I know. Cause I, I feel the same way. Like when my mom left, it was just like, why are you leaving? You're messing up our family. <laughs> Not understanding all that she had been through to get her to that point where yes. she decided it was best for her to leave. And it was well into my adulthood where I finally was able to have that same conversation and really understand and really realize. And um, for a little while, 
it impacted our relationship, not to the point where we just never talked, but when I finally got it and I finally understood her, it definitely changed our relationship for the better. Um, yes. I'm not saying that we ever had like a bad one, but just coming to that realization, it does sometimes take time because you have in your mind what your picture perfect family is supposed to be. And all you see, like you said, is your mom leaving. You're like, why are you leaving? <laughs> you know? Wow. Yes. So yes, he had that moment. And actually, um, I will say about bad mouthing your, you know, your spouse in front of your kids, you pay for that one way or the other. Um, we had a little bit of that when we were going through our divorce. And I felt like he was almost turning my kids against me. It was so difficult. And a lot of it was because he didn't want our divorce, if I'm being completely transparent here. And so I just was like, what is going on? Am I in the twilight zone right now? Fast forward, because of that situation, and this is why I say God always has a way, maintain your grace, maintain your integrity. Um, and because I did, and I walked through my process of forgiveness, and hear me when I say this, I was so blindsided last summer. I was just like, what is going on? I had moved so far you know, beyond that, that it was just weird to really go through that again. But it was almost like God's way of like, correcting and writing some things that had gone down and, and um, confirming that you made the right decision right decision yes <laughs> yes and so i was like so proud of myself i hate to say that um <laughs> no, i'm not speaking to you know his particular situation but for myself to look back and say man you have been through it but you made a heck of a call to go ahead and just move forward, rebuild your life, start over, and just really trust God with the with the future and just give it your best shot. And I was so grateful in that moment. Um, it, it really did trigger my daughter in a negative way. Um, I will say that she ended up living with me full time as a result. And um, her and I have gotten so close where during our divorce, we were not as close. She was a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. and. Um, the situation actually helped re, you know, like re-strengthen our relationship. But even now I encourage her to, you know, walk in grace, you know, feel how she feels, process her feelings, um, and walk in forgiveness towards her dad. And I and I encourage her a uh, relationship. I've never tried to keep my kids from them. And I think that's where so many of us go wrong when we're dealing with the other women. Um, we try to like fight for control and that's the wrong thing to do. Kids deserve access to both parents for as long as there's no abuse or um you know, toxic situations going on, they deserve to have access to their parents. And it's just best for them, um, no matter what your situation is. Chris, to your question, yes. Um, my ex-husband does have um, custody um, and visitation with his son. So yeah, the kids are around him regularly and they talk about him. And let me just share where this is important that you as the offended party heals because this was something that I was not really prepared for until it happened. And so because he fought to have visitation, I had to now process that my kids were gonna share like love and, and familial affection towards someone that brought bad memories to me or brought back bad memories for me. Yeah. And so I could see like the, the tug of war in their own hearts and minds when they would have time with their their half brother and then come back to my house and almost have to secretly discuss their time with him because they were mindful of how i might feel about it wow and so um to see them really struggle in that tug of war i remember going to drop them off and he was there he's curious about who their mom is that they never see because he's there 
and I keep that distance. And so I remember him coming outside and he was just like, hi. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm like, hi. And I could tell even for him, he was going through the same struggle they were having. Wow. And so I remember going to my therapist and I said, you know, I've got to figure out a way to forgive the situation that frees my kids and frees this other child uh, from the burden of trying to manage adult expectations. Wow. And she Thank said, you. well, if you want to get if you want to get to work on that, we can process that. And she said, what about you know, what about his presence makes you feel so horrible? And she said, can you separate him as a person from the situation that happened? Can you see him like you see yourself as a victim? Because technically he is. Ooh, that, you that, just gave that, me chills. That is you so, just gave me chills. No, seriously, that is so big of you to actually work on that and go through the process of healing to open up to the other child. Because it's people that's literally in their grave and never got to that point. Yes. Oh, man, that's deep. I want to know. Have you, I mean, just listening to this whole entire story, I mean, there's times where I'm like getting heated, you know, have you ever had throughout this whole time, did you ever have any moments of rage? Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I will never forget. They had, you know, they were going through their own custody issues and she reached out to me to back her up. And what? <laughs> nanny? True story. Oh no. The, na the nanny must have a half a brain. Something. <laughs> oh my God. I, I can't. I can't with people. And I remember being so livid because what I had to express to her is while I'm not your enemy, I'm certainly not your ally. And I, I was infuriated because now all of a sudden you wanted me to come alongside you when you're the reason why we're in this problem in the first place. <laughs> right. Oh, man. And, and I can say a lot of things about my ex-husband. Hear me when I say this. Um, I can say a lot of things about him negatively. But what I will always say until I go home to be with Jesus is that this man has never missed a child support payment. He has never missed an alimony payment. He has paid child support for a child he has never seen for 14 years because the other woman made a decision to withhold her uh, from him when he would not make a decision to choose her. And so um, he still never missed a payment. And so I say that because there are men who have access that still don't pay and they're only obligated to pay 50 bucks a month, okay? Yeah. So um, he's never, he loves his kids. He's never not been there. I will actually say he's made more um, sports uh, commitments than I have. He's never not been, I know that's a double negative, but he's never not been a good father. Right. And so for you to now, because you're angry, turn the tables on him and expect me to be an ally because what? He cheated on me? Never gonna happen. And so that is the one time where I was actually enraged, not just, um, not for him really, but on behalf of my kids, like this is my kid's father and you are basically attacking his his parenting, which is, we, we know Goodwill is not the truth. Um, I was furious and I, I let her have it. Um, I actually wrote to the court on his behalf uh, to help him get uh, custody um, that was due him. And um, I'm, I've never heard from her again since, but don't play me. Uh, this is not the time nor the place 
don't get it twisted. Um, no. I'm not a fan of him, but I'm not a fan of you either. So don't <laughs> sit here and try to play my, you know, angst against him for your benefit. And she learned that day. Uh, so yeah, I've been enraged, but I've all, I was also enraged when I found out. I mean, please don't even let this smile fool you, honey. I was, listen, a cussing, angry, Fiskar scissor throwing. Uh, <laughs> I will never forget. I think I shared this with you guys. I will never forget when I found out he was still like checking up on her. And this is like after I discovered the affair, but I wanted him to, you know, sever all ties and he didn't. And I, I, you know, found out he was still calling her and, and texting her and emailing her. And I was a scrapbooker at the time. I had all of my um, scrapbooking supplies all nicely uh, up on the wall. I had all these nice different scissors um and he said something smart to me um as a result when i confronted him about still having contact with her i grabbed those scissors and i took those scissors and launched them at his head thank god he wasn't athlete chris because he ducked just in time to not get hit by those scissors now people are gonna say okay listen when you're angry this is why i say i, I believe in the concept of a thin line between love and hate i don't even remember flinching to throw those scissors. All I know is you just uh, invalidated how I feel and you're invalid, you, you continue to invalidate how I feel by contacting her. And clearly you don't care that this is impacting our marriage. And so I was angry. I threw those scissors with, I meant to hit him and hurt him. And so if he hadn't ducked, God only knows where that would have led us or how that would have resulted. I could be in jail to this day. Who knows? But yeah, I've been enraged. And I think anyone who lies, because that's what it is, you're lying. If you're saying that you're not enraged in those moments, it's just not realistic nor reality. Um, I actually had people reach out to me on her behalf to stop me from being, try to stop me from being angry at her um, and said I had no right to be angry and upset that it wasn't her fault. She was a victim too. Was it, um, was, it, was it church folks that told you that? Of See? course. Yeah. That's just insane. She's a victim. <laughs> so she, was she a victim when she laid down repeatedly knowing that you're mad? Like, come on. That's the biggest bogus crap I've ever heard in my life. They need to stop. I don't care how much of a sanctified Christian you are. That don't make any sense. It's true. This is, I mean, it, it was the craziest experience I think I've ever been through in my entire life. But it's, you know, I tell people all the time, I think people often wonder like, is this woman lying? But hear me when I say this, a lie would actually be better than the truth that I could tell. Uh, because my truth is just so insanely crazy uh, that um, I think a lie would honestly be more flattering. I mean, I can make it sound a little bit more dressed up than what actually occurred, but it's the reality. And um, I, I honestly, people always want to know what was the final straw? Because people are like, why did you stay for eight more years? I don't really have a whole honest answer to that other than my kids. I thought about them. Um, my self-esteem was in like below the ground. Let me just say that below the ground. Uh, when you are confronted with another woman, you always think, why wasn't I enough? Like you compare yourself, you go back and you look um, like, what in the world does she have that, you know, made me not sufficient as your wife? Like, what was I lacking so bad that justified you, you know, entertaining these other women? I'll never forget going with him uh, to his child support hearing. 
and uh, for his his actually his first child, but to me it was his second that I had found out about. And I saw her for the first time, the the other woman, and I was like, "What the freaking?" <laughs> got to be kidding me like seriously this is what you chose and and to add insult to injury not only was the child born a day after my birthday she named her a name that i considered naming my oldest daughter so it, <sighs> it, in that moment i realized that they had been in communication for quite some time uh for years this was someone that he had known since college uh. and so i'm like what is happening? Um, so I stayed because my self-esteem was not there. I didn't have the support. And let me just say, I dropped out of college. I know people love to think NFL players only marry gold diggers, but Monique, you can speak to this. A lot of them are with them from the time they're in school. Like there's not a whole lot of us that kind of come in later. A lot of them have been with them for a long time. And I was one yeah. of those where I was with my ex-husband from 19. There wasn't a, a possibility of him going to the NFL. We were just trying to get through college on that free ride that he had, you know, allow him to get a, a good job so we could be able to pay our bills from month to month. Uh, but because NCAA does not allow scholarship athletes to hold a full-time job, I actually dropped out of school to support our family. And so um, I did not have my degree. And so there was a lot of what the heck am I going to do to support my kids if I leave this marriage. Yeah, I could rely on alimony, but I didn't know how much I was gonna get. And I didn't know if he was gonna fight me for it. So there was, I just, I didn't feel ready to make that type of decision. So um, in the meantime, <laughs> when my daughter was uh, in my tummy, my, my youngest, I made a decision to go back and get my degree because our marriage was on the rocks. And I was like, I just, I at least, I at least need to be educated. Um, I made a decision through our divorce to go back to grad school. So in the midst of going through a divorce proceeding, I was a full-time grad student and I got my MBA in that time. And then uh, subsequently made a decision to go to doctoral school. So I just, I wasn't ready. And it took him cheating on me <laughs> with the same person twice. Mm. Because for the first time, I think we try to like, we try to rationalize when women stay in marriages after um, their husband is cheated. I can only speak for women because I'm a woman. But a lot of us try to like process like, oh, he doesn't have feelings for her. It didn't mean nothing. Uh, he really wants me. That's, you know, he really wants his family. He was just having a moment, right? That's what we tell ourselves to make staying okay. And it wasn't until he cheated on the same person twice that I realized this was not just someone that he was just having a fling with. He really loved her. And that was too much for me to handle. It was at that moment that I was like, I'm done. I, I, I put up with so much and you've rationalized these women meaning nothing. And we come to this one woman that you wanna go here twice. Yeah, I think I'm good. So that was another woman was, the other woman was the reason why I actually opted to leave um, once and for all. And I never looked back. If you had to give some tips on your journey to healing for the people who are listening right now, who are probably going through this situation or have gone through it and they are still angry. They're still using their kids as a tool to get back because of their anger. What would you say to those women or even men who are out there who have been cheated on and, and are going through the same process? You owe it to yourself to heal. You owe it to yourself. 
I, when I tell you it's not a it's not an overnight process. It may take you days. It may take you years. It took me years. Can I just be honest and say that it took me years? But you owe it to yourself to heal. You owe it to your kids to heal. They don't deserve to suffer because of this incident. This is this is one page, and you don't have to let one page or one chapter in your book be your entire story. Right. And so I love that I have to actually tell it for people to know that this is a part of my story because I've lived so much of, of my healing um, and process beyond this that it's only a chapter. It doesn't define who I am. And yeah. so you owe it to yourself to heal, get support, find people that can speak truth to you, get people that you can call at the drop of a hat that can provide wise counsel. Not everyone is going to be for you nor support your decision, whether you stay or you go. But you get someone that allows you to be human and has the compassion, the compassion that you need um, to walk in that humanity. And that may may mean anger, rage, sadness, depression. I went through it all. Panic, anxiety. <laughs> um, I remember actually having to go see a cardiologist because I thought I was having a heart attack. And they said, no, ma'am, you're, you're having panic attacks. <laughs> and so it was at that point that I had to beef up my therapy because my panic attacks were so bad. And so um, you owe it to yourself. Don't let this define your entire life. And I find that people who are still angry, it literally shapes their whole countenance. You don't see them without seeing their hurt. And their hurt at this point has become so a part of who they are that you almost can't see the goodness that they provide outside of they, their hurt. And so people deserve to see your goodness. Don't let this overshadow the good part of you. And so I don't talk about this very often because I also don't want to glorify the other woman. Um, I hope that if anyone is in this situation, I actually shared uh, a, a snippet of my story back in May and a lady actually ended an extramarital affair. And so if I can encourage anyone that may be in an extramarital affair uh, to get out of it, get out of it. Hear my story and have compassion on people that you are impacting unknowingly. And you do impact people when you engage in this type of, of relationship. And so uh, for those that are hurting, take the time necessary, heal, grow, mature, uh, look inside yourself, uh, reflect, um, build yourself back up and build the best part um, of, of yourself past your healing. Like I, I just my life is great, y'all. I, I mean, I can tell this story with a smile on my face. Because yes, I can tell. <laughs> I, I would have never known. And I've known you for a very long time. I remember when we sat down, I had a company. Um, what was it? Prosistent. And, um, and we were like my company was all about creating the, the uh, ease of your paperwork and whatever you had to do to get your company off the ground and get it started. We, we sat down and talked about your magazine. And, and I remember just like that was what I did back then was just speak life into people's ideas. And I had a lot of NFL wives who were my clients. And I remember when I first met you and then seeing you now, you're still as bubbly as you were back then, not knowing all that you went through in between. You know, so that's an amazing testimony. And just to let people know that forgiveness, it really is for you. You get to that point of forgiveness at your time. But it really is for you. And sage your house. <laughs> Do whatever you need to Diffuse some oils. Put some anointing oil on every door. Whatever you need to do to also cleanse your atmosphere. That really does help. It really Listen, does help. 
be mindful of the people you invite into your space. I know we, we say that lightly and we think, oh, we owe everybody a chance, but everyone does not mm -hmm. deserve access into your environment and into your personal space. Um, so I vet the heck out of people now. I told yeah. Kevin, listen, if we opt to get pregnant again and we need a nanny, she gonna be old, ugly, <laughs> one leg. I totally agree with you with that because you know we're, we're going through a situation of betrayal and lies and stuff like that, and it's very hurtful, especially when you love them. You know, so I, 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 now I'm to the point now I'm angry. You know, I'm pissed off and I don't trust anybody at this point. And eventually I got to work through it and open up or whatever and, and, and forgive. So I'm listening to your story of forgiveness. Yeah. And it's not even just friends. It's also family. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. it's a very difficult situation. And I'm just not a person that like me, you know, five, six years ago, I would invite anyone into my house <laughs> yeah. and, and give them the shirts in my closet. You eat whatever is in my refrigerator, drink whatever you want from the bar. But now I'm very selective of who comes into my house. And then when they leave, I'm saging, I'm praying, I'm walking every hall, making sure that whatever negative energy they might have been carrying that I did not know they were carrying is gone because I have three kids and a husband to protect. That's well, right. he protects me, but right. you, know. Hey, you, know, you know, something else too is crazy because yesterday I was in the house and my son came in and he was like, daddy, somebody's outside and they want an autograph. And I was like, tell him I'm asleep, whatever, you know? So at the end of the day, back, back in the day, I would have ran out there, you know, happy to give him an autograph and this, but now I'm so protective. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Protect yeah. your space. Don't feel bad about it. I, I listen, I used to be so, um, I, I'm a Libra too, so I, I'm kind of oblivious. I'm Southern, so everyone that walks in my presence is family. It's yes. 2.5 seconds to make. I can make a friend with a doorknob, okay? And it, that situation made me less um, naive. I will say that. And so I don't make apologies for that. I don't have any issues blessing someone out the door um, of my life. And, and people will say, oh, Winter, that's harsh and that's a cutoff mentality. Oh, no, it's not. Because one of, the thing, one of the things that I do think back to that time is that I second guess my gut a lot. And there were times where my gut challenged me um, to make decisions I didn't make and I should have. And so now I don't second guess uh, my gut. I don't second guess my discernment. I go with that. But can I just say, because I want to leave on a positive note, uh, because what this honestly comes to do is ruin it comes to ruin like the spirit of those that are involved. Like it can just be such a heavy weight. And I want to liberate all parties. I just want to say that if you've ever been in an extramarital marital, marital affair, excuse me, as the offended party or the offender, <laughs> uh, you have a responsibility to heal, seek restitution, ask for forgiveness, forgive, move forward. Uh, but also extend grace to yourself because I know sometimes that's a huge burden to carry for a long time. And I, I actually had a conversation with my nanny <laughs> and I ended up praying for her towards the end of the call. Wow. And I just wanted her to know that I didn't hold her hostage in that space. I, it's not that I didn't absolve her of what she did, right? <laughs> you were guilty, guilty as charged. But because of my forgiveness, I still want you to be able to move forward and, and fulfill whatever your purpose is in this earth and not feel like I'm this dark cloud trying to remind you of what you did to me all those years ago. And I feel that way towards my ex-husband. And so um, I just want to say it's not the end of your life if you've done this, 
but don't do it again. You know, make continue to make better choices. Uh, but you have you have to forgive yourself and move forward as well. But I always say, and this is my positive note: don't let the ugly in others ruin the beautiful in you. And and that's really the decision that I've made. It's just not to let the ugly that has happened to me ruin the beautiful that I know God has put in me. That's amazing. That's beautiful. On that note, there's no other way <laughs> to end this session. I mean, this has been this has been life altering, um, even though the topic was the other woman and it was dealing with finding love after divorce and affairs and everything like that. I just feel like this whole conversation applies to so many other aspects of life. I mean, you literally have ministered to me, even in dealing with an ex friend who has done some very treacherous things all for the sake of TV. And, um, and I do not want to relieve her of that ugliness. And I'm just going to be completely real. I'm not there yet. Um, but seeing you does show me that you can move forward in forgiveness towards that person and allow them to know, but also, you know, we ain't going to ever be friends again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, she's, yeah, not, yeah, she's not Polly Pocket. She's not in my pocket, right? Right, right, right. Right. But I'm I, totally good, but I'm fine with her being totally bad. <laughs> I'm I just have not gotten to that point I'm where I'm about to lift any weight off of you. Because I have a problem with people who will do stuff publicly and then want to come to you for forgiveness behind closed doors. Oh, you know? no. So, so, no, 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 no. I have a huge issue with that. You, yeah. you, you restore me in the same way that you dishonored me. That's right. And Preach. so, um, that's, that's Preach. honestly, that's integrity. Um, and that is honestly the right way to forgive. So that's you don't get the right to disrespect me publicly and then try to come behind and backdoor me and yeah. then say, Hey, yeah, are we good? No, 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 no. Publicly ask me that question. And, and then, yeah, we're good. <laughs> but, um, right. I just don't, I don't believe that that is the integral way to handle things. And let me just say too, I, I don't follow the complete situation because I don't, I don't follow like news like that, but I have heard bits and pieces of what's going on. You know, I love you and I support you guys. Uh, you guys are my friends and that's where my loyalty lies. But let me just say, I think so often it's easy to assume that, oh, it's just TV, but the reality is that these are people's lives. And I always say right. that um, right. this is people's families. <laughs> so uh, just extend some grace to those that are listening before you make judgments. It's best to just be on the outside looking in until you get all the information and it's okay not to have an opinion and let people hash it out amongst them. But I, I just, I do my best to try to not involve myself and that was something I dealt with even in this whole other woman situation that a lot of people tried to cast judgment, opinion and involve themselves. And they didn't have no inside, you know, information or details. And so just stay on the outside. Uh, if you love me, support me. If you don't stay over there. But I think it's easy to form an opinion when you don't have all the facts. And right. so um, I, I pray that it all works out for you guys. And I'm, oh, I'm certainly yeah. oh, <laughs> that's the thing. We, we know our truth. Yes. And, and, That's the only thing we can do is right. walk in our truth and know exactly. that honestly, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks so long as we know the whole story. Yeah. You know, the truth always comes out in the wash anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> it sure yeah. does. It sure yeah. does. Allie, you have any last uh, thoughts or. I mean, really, Winter, you do such a beautiful job, uh, you know, telling your story and giving some insight. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that stuck out to me was just 
if you are in this situation, giving, you know, allowing yourself to grieve because it is a loss and allowing yourself to, to feel, and it's not linear, you know, it comes in waves just like grief does. And um, as always, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much. And I completely agree, Allie. It takes time. Give yourself permission to take the time that healing requires. It's yeah. not overnight. Yes. You've well, definitely this, been a blessing. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not even going to do the normal moment of silence and confessions or anything. I mean, I just felt like this was just, I mean, we went over time, but I felt like for this topic, it was necessary. So I hope that the viewers and the listeners do not mind, but I just felt that this was just so touching and like I said, not just with infidelity and marriage, but on just any type of issue that you might have where you feel as though you've been wrong and then trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces and move forward. So this was deep and I appreciate you as always. Um, people where they can find you who are listening. Yes, you can connect with me on IG and Facebook. It's The Winter Williams, or you can go to my website at thewinterharris.com, soon to be thewinterwilliams.com. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Y'all right, take care and we will see you next week.